Click Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise Jesus Christ. Welcome back and good morning to you. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. You have arrived the very last day of 2020. You made it. Praise be to Jesus. Now, I wish I could I wish I could say, hey, don't worry. 2021 is going to be fantastic. Probably not going to be the smoothest year either. However, uh, many graces will flow in 2021, no doubt. Many uh, wonderful opportunities will come in 2021. And many opportunities for penance and for prayer, for fasting and mortification, growing in grace. Those are all good things, too. But uh, either way, today we have a great program lined up for you today. Two wonderful hours of Catholic Drive Time in this first hour. We're very excited. Ray uh, Grijalba from the Joy of Faith YouTube channel is going to be on the program to talk about a movie that highlights uh, and discusses Eucharistic miracles. That's coming up in this hour. Very excited about that. Of course, we're going to have Saint of the Day. We're going to have the Gospel of the Day. We'll have the What's Concerning Us uh, section as well. Plus, always breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez, who joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. Last day of 2020. We did it. Yeah, praise God. We should get like a trophy or something, like a medal. We uh, deserve it. Like participation trophy. Something. Get something <laughs> to mark the occasion. Like not about that participation <laughs> trophy life. For 2020, I am. <laughs> this one instance. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca's on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. You were talking about... Uh 2021, how it's going to be, and I'm just thinking of St. Janarius's blood not uh, liquefying. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, well, man. It's going to be fun. That's an omen. <laughs> we, I thought we agreed we were moving on from that. Uh, the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the omen of destruction. You know, It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, God's will be done for our lives in all things. Uh, but uh, Adrian, well done producing the program this week. I know that it wasn't easy. Uh, me being at the house this week probably added a lot of complications, but I just wanted to say you kept the this, the plates spinning, so congratulations yeah, to Yeah, well done. Week. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. All right, so uh, lots to go to this week uh, and uh, still tomorrow, by the way. So just a little plug for tomorrow. Tomorrow's a pre-recorded show. We will not be live. We'll be sleeping in tomorrow, praise God. But if you are up and about, we have two hours that's never been heard before in Catholic Drive Time. Tim Staples will be in the first hour tomorrow to talk about uh, the Mother of God. And then in the second hour, we're going to bring back Gabriel Castillo from Gabby After Hours. He was uh, one of our first... First guests on Catholic Drive Time to talk about the power of the Holy Rosary, and he was uh, so amazing. We invited him back for another round to uh, sort of focus on Our Lady on her day, uh, January one. So all of that's coming up tomorrow. So stick around for that. If you can join us in this next hour, uh, we would love to have you for sure. Jason Jones will be our guest in the next hour. We're going to talk about the lockdowns. We tried to get him a couple days ago, but uh, some things happened and it didn't work out. So we've rebooked him for today. So we'll be speaking with Jason Jones from movie to movement uh, in our second hour. But let's begin this hour with prayer, bringing your intentions together for whatever you're facing, whatever your needs are for your family, for your your friends, your colleagues, or what have you, material, financial, spiritual, whatever they are. I'm praying for the Guadalupe Radio Network, for our team, for our show, for our equipment, 
for my family, for the repose of the soul of Armando, and for all of us here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, as well as the Stations of the Cross, who is going to be joining us next week. Praying for them as well. Uh, so let's uh, come to Our Lady. Let's ask her to whisper these into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember... O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. A hospital worker in Wisconsin intentionally destroyed over 500 doses of the Moderna COVID vaccine. The employee was fired after removing 57 vials of the vaccine from the hospital's refrigerator. In a statement to Fox News, advocate Aurora Health said it was led to believe the act was an error, but the employee in question later acknowledged they did it on purpose. The hospital said in a statement that they are more than disappointed that the individual's action will result in a delay of more than 500 people receiving their vaccine. In Los Angeles, 235 people were arrested in December for coronavirus restriction violations. 158 of these arrests were made at a massive underground party the first week of December. The L.A. Sheriff, Alex Villanueva, said, quote, I have made it clear that we will seek out and take law enforcement action against all super spreader events occurring anywhere within Los Angeles County. The county has enacted some of the toughest restrictions in the state and has some of the highest number of numbers of cases in the country. Catholics around the world responded with sadness and disappointment at this week's legalization of abortion in Argentina. A few hours after the legalization, the House of Representatives in Paraguay held one minute of silence for the babies that will die. Congressman Raul Latore of Paraguay said, quote, I ask for a minute of silence for the thousands of lives of Argentinian brothers and sisters who are going to be lost even before they're born, based on the recent decision made by the Senate of the neighboring country. Another Paraguayan congressman called the decision a tragedy. The Argentinian Bishops' Conference released a statement saying, quote, we deeply regret the remoteness of the leadership from the people's feelings, which has been expressed in various ways in favor of life throughout the country. The Pontifical Mission Society has reported that 20 Catholic missionaries were killed this year. Those who lost their lives in service of the church comprised eight priests, three religious women, one male religious, two seminarians, and six laypeople. Agenzia Fides highlighted the 18-year-old Nigerian seminarian Michael Nanadi, who was murdered after he continued to preach the gospel of Christ to his kidnappers. The information service also added, quote, The provisional list compiled annually by Fides must therefore be added to the long list of many of whom there may never be news, who in every corner of the world suffer and even pay with their lives for their faith in Christ. A reminder that tomorrow, Friday, January 1st, is the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, and is a holy day of obligation. These are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you for reading those uh, headlines for us, Emily. Uh, St. John Francis Regis, pray for us. He was born on uh, January uh, 31st, 1597. He joined the Jesuits at 18 years old. 
He wouldn't be ordained until he was uh, 34, though. He was a catechist. He, he loved to teach children, in fact, and through his effort to catechize children, many parents were brought back to the church in France. Praise be to Jesus. Um, he worked with the plague victims as well in Toulouse, France. But uh, because he was so given to preaching and catechist, uh, as a catechist and uh, as a priest, he was sent to to try to bring back the lost souls in, uh, in the, the, the Huguenots, right, that left abandoned their faith. Well, he was sent there to bring and evangelize them and to bring them back into the fold. And he was, in fact, very successful at that, although he was criticized by his fellow Jesuits. He had a very simple and, uh, quote, poor style, but he converted many of the farmers and the folks that worked in the countryside. He lived off of apples and black bread and whatever came to hand, preferring to spend his time preaching and teaching rather than uh, than trying to find fine foods, I guess. But the uh, many of his Jesuit colleagues actually didn't. They just held this against him. They couldn't stand the fact that he didn't dress or act like a, a proper Jesuit, I suppose. And he just ignored it because he knew that it wasn't theology. It was more jealousy that there was at, at play there. He established hostels for uh, women who were in, uh, you know, suffering through prostitution and wanted to escape from that lifestyle. He helped them to escape. He also established many confraternities of the Blessed Sacrament. He established a granary for the poor, which on many occasions had been miraculously refilled, you know, reminding us of uh, some of the miracles in the Old Testament, for instance. Now, um, no matter what, you know, criticisms came his way, he, he did persist. Although at one point he did ask for permission to go from France to Canada to escape the criticisms of his colleagues. Uh, he wanted to uh, spend his time, you know, preaching without politics, let's just say. But it was denied. He he stayed in France to convert those that would leave. At 43 years old, uh, St. Regis had a premonition of his own death, and so he spent three days in retreat. He made a general confession, but he resumed his mission in the mountain villages. Uh, wet, bad weather set in, and he ended up with pneumonia, and he died with Jesus, my Savior, on his lips. He dies in uh, December 31st, 1640. St. John Francis Regis, pray for us. Your gospel today comes to you from Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, a couple of points here on this particular gospel passage that I really, uh, that stood out to me is one, the shepherds themselves, you know, the shepherds truly represented the lowest class in the, uh, 
in the Jewish or Israelite society. They were sort of the uh, the dregs of society in many ways. Uh, so when you see these uh, these instances about the in the nativity narratives, for instance, the Magi coming, they represent you know the pagans. They represent the Gentiles coming to the Christ child to adore, and of course the shepherds come to see the Christ child, and they are from the lowest class, the poor, right? So you see the different various classes all coming to uh, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at his incarnation. It's very beautiful uh, to ponder, actually, how all of creation stops to come and to pay its respect and adoration and, uh, and visitation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we ought to as well, right? So we should take that time to do the same. The other thing that stands out to me in this particular gospel passage is how Mary keeps all these things reflecting on them in her heart. We see this sentiment. We see it here. We also see it, I think, uh, when you have the uh, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple um, later on in Luke's gospel. You see how Our Lady is just pondering, chewing, gnawing on the God, on on the words of our Lord, on on the mystery, the actual mystery that's living out in front of her, not just on the in a book that she reads or ponders, or in a in a something someone preaches or says to her, but rather that's living out in front of her right now. She is chewing on this and meditating on it, number one. Number two, where does Luke get the details of these stories? He gets them from Mary herself. Mary becomes the source of the information found in this gospel. And I think that should be very telling to us about the veracity of this information giving it more gravitas, at least in our minds and in our hearts. And so, uh, and of course, the last point I want to make here is the eight days where Jesus was circumcised. Jesus, who is the second person of the, of the Trinity, God incarnate, took upon flesh, dwelt among us. You know, he's not beholden to anything or anyone, and yet he submits himself perfectly to living as an infant child dependent upon people to care for his needs and gives himself over perfectly to the law to fulfill it. And uh, again, that level of obedience, as St. Paul would say, you know, is is incredible. So those are my thoughts. Adrian, what say you? Well, you always steal all my ideas, so Praise I was going to gonna talk about the uh, the circumcision of our Lord. And the uh, the thing that I think is interesting to point out about the circumcision is that, in, in one sense, uh, the circumcision is unnecessary, but at the same time, he what he needed to do in the in the sense of circumcision was that he validated the fact that he was that he was fulfilling the law he was uh getting rid of stumbling blocks for the jews and uh so there the way he did this uh he and also the church fathers talk about how even the the shedding of his blood at the circumcision uh was was enough for the salvation of mankind and everything else was because uh, the way that his, every drop of blood of our Lord is infinite in value. So I think it's very interesting to meditate upon the circumcision of our Lord and how uh, amazing it is that he was willing to do something like that. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Emily, I last, uh, seems like this last week, I uh, just haven't turned to you for the gospel. I don't know if you had any thoughts. You're welcome to chime in, but that music says we're going to break. No, that's okay. I enjoy <laughs> listening. You guys are very uh, intuitive. Well, praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We have a uh, What's Concerning Us section on the other side of this break, and I guess Argentina is making me the most sick at the moment. We'll discuss that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. 
Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. So good to be on with you. God is so very good. Uh, there are several stories in the uh, What's Concerning Us section that I would like to talk about. And I'm sure Emily and Adrian have a few uh, for themselves too. But I know we discussed this earlier this week. Uh, I think it was uh, either yesterday, maybe day before, I can't recall. Um, the abortion being approved in Argentina. The video is so disturbing to see. Uh, there's an article out on the Catholic News Agency. I think, Emily, you reported on this. It says, after abortion is legalized in Argentina, Catholic bishops decry chasm between politicians and the people. Um, it says, after the Senate in Argentina legalized abortion in the early hours of Wednesday, December 30th, the Argentinian Bishops' Conference released a statement accusing the country's political leadership of being far away from the sentiment of the people and vowed to continue working with firmness and passion in the care and service of life. It says the long debated bill to legalize abortion presented by the president uh, to fulfill a campaign promise was finally approved in the Senate with 38 votes in favor, 29 against, one abstention and four absences after 12 hours of debate. It says the bill was previously de- uh, cleared by the House. According to the November 2020 survey carried out by an independent pollster, 60% of Argentinians opposed the law, while only 26.7% were in favor. Now, that may be true. So the vast majority opposed the law. Well, where was the vast majority protesting this? Because the video that's come out is massive crowds celebrating painting themselves uh, and throwing glitter around in utter joy that they now have the ability to murder children in utero. And the bishops have come out to decry this, and they should, but a day late and a dollar short, I would argue. And it, it sickens me to see the video clips of these people celebrating this. It's so insane to me and one of the thoughts that keeps coming up to my mind when i see stories like this is i keep coming back to second thessalonians chapter 2 and saint paul starting in verse 2 
it says that you that you be not easily moved from your sense, nor be terrified, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by epistle, as sent from us, as if the day of the Lord were at hand. Let no one deceive you by any means, for unless there come a revolt first, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and is lifted up above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God. This is what St. Paul is trying to say. Oh, the, the day of the Lord is not upon you until the revolt come first. Then the man of perdition can come after that. Revolt first, then the man of perdition. So here's my question. What would it look like to live in a world where the great apostasy, the great revolt that St. Paul speaks of here, uh, what would that look like when that happens? I argue it looks like thousands and thousands and thousands of people cheering in the streets, uh, celebrating the right for, to have an abortion. If that's not what revolt looks like or apostasy, college you is, I'm afraid of what that would look like. I don't know, Emily, Adrian, any opinions there? Yeah, well, we do, whether or not Argentina is a majority pro-life country, I'm not sure. They do have some of the biggest pro-life rallies in the country. So I'm not sure where those people were when this uh, this bill right. was passed. Where were they? Where were they? <laughs> and uh, yeah, very disappointing that such a Catholic country, really a heavily Catholic country, could go down the same road. And really, it, again, I talk a lot about the power of information. It was influencers, celebrities, and politicians who pushed this bill through. It, I wouldn't say it, it wasn't the citizens of the country. So that just goes to show how powerful a social media platform can be in pushing an agenda. Okay, well, what about the bishops? So the bishops are decrying this, and I think they should. I'm glad they have said that. I mean, uh, praise God that they are speaking out. But I don't know. I've gotten so bitter and jaded since the, since the summer of 2018, the mm -hmm. summer of mm -hmm. McCarrick, of the, shame. Summer the summer of, of shame. Vigano, the summer of shame. And, you know, Adrian and I get into uh, to friendly debates all the time about this very point. I I've got to the point where it's like anytime a, a bishop puts out a statement or writes another book, I just roll my eyes anymore. It's like, great. That and a nickel gets me not very much. Which is sad. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. I mean... The I, I'm super upset about the uh, about everyone, like you said, a, a day late and a dollar short. Like everyone comes out after everything is over to condemn it. Like in Ireland, whenever they went through the whole same-sex marriage thing in Ireland, no one said anything about it. But then once it's passed, then Pope Francis comes out and everyone comes out and they're like, "Oh, this is terrible. This is so bad." But where were you whenever it was actually an issue that you could actually affect change? Why are you yeah. talking about it after it's too late? Yeah, if you yeah. pray the Liturgy of the Hours, the readings from the Office of Readings, you'll read uh, readings from the bishops that were writing letters in the early church, bishops that were literally being martyred, that were being thrown into the, the, to the lion's den, you know, and they're willing to die for the f truths of the faith. And we just don't see that sort of zeal anymore. Yeah, now, I do hope and I do pray that with this article, which we've linked to over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online, it comes from a Catholic news agency. I do hope that, in fact, they're right, that 60% of Argentinians are opposed to this. I pray that that's true. And if it is, I give God praise that the, vet, that the majority, 60%, are against the right to abort a child. Um, so, personally opposed? 
personally oppose, but are we going to take an action? Are we going to do something about that? You know, um, according to this article, says the bishops also said that while focusing on legalization, legalizing abortion, the government has failed the boys and girls living in poverty in an increasingly alarming number that many school dropouts, the pressing pandemic of hunger and unemployment that affects many families, as well as the dramatic situation of those retired, which in these hours see their rights violated once again. Um, Okay, so in other words, they're criticizing. You're focusing on abortion, but there's all these other issues you could have focused on instead. Valid point, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are we going to do about this? Uh, You know, as the church, our mission is, is it not to evangelize the whole world? And, uh, you know, and like for, uh, today, we're going to be talking to Jason Jones uh, next hour. For anybody who can join us next hour, I encourage you to hang out. Jason Jones, pro-life leader in the United States. And I think he proves the point, him and Abby Johnson and 40 Days for Life and, and uh, Lila Rose and all of these incredible pro-life leaders that we've had uh, in our country now. And there's just so many. There's so many unsung pro-life heroes in our country. Um, they prove that even if the law of the land says you can have abortion— they prove that evangelization is a far more effective weapon than politics because they've, the pro-life movement in America has been able to change opinion, public opinion on this issue quite dramatically over the last few decades. And they continue to push towards a day in which the law may follow suit. So I guess my argument is, dear bishops in Argentina, what is your plan to evangelize Argentina, to re-evangelize Argentina? To bring these lost souls like St. Francis Regis had to do in France, bringing lost souls back to the church, that was his mission. Where is that mission today in Argentina? Where is it in America? Where is it anywhere in the world? You know, uh, that's part of the other stories that I wanted to bring up today in this section, you know, to remember those Catholic missionaries who were killed in 2020. Um most of which you've never heard of these people. You've never, you didn't know their names. You didn't know anything about them. You know, uh, they are in some far off place. And so we don't know uh, much about these people. Yeah, that reminds me. Can I tell you a story that I heard, a short story? I was, when I was visiting in the uh, the Dominican House of Studies, uh, where there was a brother there who was studying from from Vietnam, or not from Vietnam, from China. And he was, uh, he, he was telling us how, yeah, he was like, in China, we, they are considered a uh, invading group. And so the Dominicans uh, are not allowed to wear their habits and they go around hiding. Um, and they said that if he's caught, that he's uh, either deported or they can possibly be executed. Uh, so it, it's just like you see these kind of like this is happening right now today. We read about it in history you, and you read about it in the saints and lives of saints and our listeners are hearing it. But we don't realize this is happening today. We have these these heroic uh, missionaries right now in the world today and yeah. we don't see them. But again, I keep going back to St. Francis Regis today, of our saint of the day today. He, he Born and raised in France, a missionary to French people in France. He only asked to go to Canada after the, you know, his fellow Jesuits complained about him too much. That's the <laughs> only time. And then they refused to send him anyway because he was so effective in his apostolate to bring back lost souls to the church. Like, where is that 
today? Where do we see those? And I know they exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying we don't hear about them. We don't know about them. We, you know, it's not a thing that's discussed even in parish circles or diocesan circles 90% of the time. But where are the missionaries that are sent out to bring back lost souls within our own communities, neighborhoods, our cities, our towns, our states, uh, let alone in places like Argentina? Now, most of the, uh, there's a report out that the Vatican puts out every year about missionaries in the you know that are in missions overseas most of the time uh, that are are killed actually and uh, we're going to link to this story over on facebook.com forward slash grn online as well uh, and um it says uh, among those killed in 2020 you know they highlighted the nigerian seminarian who uh, uh michael was his name who was murdered after he was seized by a gunman uh from good shepherd seminary in uh, Kaduna on January the 8th, uh, said that there was an 18-year-old who was killed after he continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to his kidnappers. So even though he was a seminarian and even though he was kidnapped, he still continued to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to those that would kidnap him and they killed him for it. Like the right now, there's a Nigerian bishop who has been kidnapped and uh, we're all praying for his safety. You know, th- these people in uh, Nigeria and China and uh, in, in the Middle East and many other countries, they suffer every day for the faith. Whereas in America, places like in America, we, you know, we, we have some suffering. We get criticized a lot on social media, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But it's not quite the same. And I think the last day of the year is an opportunity for us to stop, to pause, to remember, and to, uh, to give God praise for those that have the courage to preach the truth in season and out of season, even with their lives on the line. And, and maybe have a call to say, where are the missionaries today in our neighborhoods and our towns our cities and our communities because we shouldn't want to see thousands of people dancing in the streets wearing paint and glitter you know just happy that they can now have access to abortion it should should be such a shocking tragedy to us that it would uh, cause us to call for missionaries anew um, last uh, couple minutes before we go, about a minute and a half before we go to break. Emily, Adrian, anything? Well, to respond to what you've been saying, it's really, for, it, living in a first world country like America, for example, I have a friend who works in healthcare who's having some qualms about the vaccine but doesn't know how, quite how to stand up for herself. That's really what we're facing is how do we stand up for ourselves? But compared to the torture that Chinese Catholics go through in concentration camps, this is nothing. We have to stand up for our faith. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. Don't go anywhere. On the other side of the break, we'll have more breaking news and headlines. Plus, uh, Ray Grijalba from the Joy of Faith uh, YouTube channel is going to be talking about a Eucharistic miracle movie. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. Can a moral relativist object to God's goodness based on the problem of evil? The answer is no, at least when it comes to moral evil. And here's the reason. You see, moral relativism states no moral truths exist independently of the individual. That's to say what is right and wrong is relative to what the individual determines. Now, how can a relativist deviation from his own moral standard be considered morally evil when there's nothing to oblige him to follow his moral standard? The answer is, it can't. But if no moral evil can exist within the mental framework of moral relativism, Well then obviously a relativist complaint about the problem of moral evil is useless. 
So the relativist either has to give up the complaint about the problem of moral evil to keep relativism, or give up relativism to keep the complaint about the problem of moral evil. The relativist can't have both. I'm Corlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Don't forget, if you're able to join us in the next hour, we would surely love to have you. Uh, we're going to have that uh, trivia game show. We always have a great time teaching you a little bit about the faith and giving away prizes and having a laugh in the process. So it's a lot of fun. That's in the next hour. Plus, Jason Jones will be on with us. We're going to talk about the lockdowns, the rallies, the stimulus money, and the pro-life cause as it stands on the very last day of 2020 the most contentious year, probably of our lifetimes anyway. Uh, but in this hour, here in just about uh, three, four, five minutes, we're going to be talking with Ray Grijalba of the Joy of Faith uh, YouTube channel, who's a part of the Eucharistic Miracles movie that's about to come out or is coming out. And we'll be discussing that. Eucharistic Miracles is one of my uh, favorite topics. I love, uh, I used to read Eucharistic Miracles to my children at mealtimes, meal so uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. That's coming up. But first, we have breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. On Wednesday, the governor of California announced the second confirmed case of the new and potentially more contagious variant of the coronavirus. The variant, known as B117, was discovered in the United Kingdom earlier this month and was first identified in the United States in Colorado. Dr. Greg Armstrong from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says that several states, including California, Massachusetts, and Delaware, are now analyzing suspicious virus sam samples for the variant. A recent survey found that two-thirds of Americans do not care if their home smart device, like Alexa, is always listening. The survey, which was conducted on over a thousand adults, was in response to suspicions about advertising that appears on someone's mobile smartphone or tablet shortly after a conversation about a particular item or topic. Amazon and other manufacturers repeatedly assure the public that their devices do not constantly monitor a user's every word. However, the New York Times and other publications have reported that the devices are constantly listening, if for no other reason, so they can hear their default command word. A magnitude 6.4 earthquake killed at least seven people in Croatia on Tuesday. The Bishop of Sisak is asking Catholics to fast and pray today for the people of Croatia. Bishop Vlado Kosic said that many Croatians have been left homeless and injured, and over a dozen churches have been destroyed, including the cathedral. Croatia is a nation where 86% of citizens consider themselves Catholic, and one of the seven victims of the earthquake was an organist found inside a church. The Pope tweeted about the disaster on Wednesday, saying, quote, Yesterday, an earthquake in Croatia caused victims and caused serious damage. I express my closeness to the wounded and to those who have been affected by the quake, and I pray in particular for those who have lost their lives and for their families. This Wednesday, the Holy Father gave his final general audience address of 2020. 
He dedicated the address to the prayer of thanksgiving, which the Catechism of the Catholic Church rec recognizes as one of the principal forms of prayer. In his address, Pope Francis said, quote, Christians, as all believers, bless God for the gift of life. To live is above all to have received. All of us are born because someone wanted us to have life, and this is only the first of a long series of debts that we incur by living. Debts of gratitude. At the end of the audience, the Pope also prayed again for the victims of the earthquake that struck Croatia on Tuesday. A reminder that tomorrow, January 1st, is the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, and is a holy day of obligation. These are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ and all thanks. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines for us, keeping us up to date on everything going on out there. But don't forget, if you want to get the podcast version of our show, there's a few ways to do that. One is to just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt great way to do that but also our youtube channel is a wonderful way to do it we post not only the live video there but uh individual hours and we do individual interviews all of that is there please while you're there like subscribe share uh, the bell notification all of those things but if you're hanging out with us across the guadalupe radio network don't forget about our mobile app wonderful way download on ios or android just look for the guadalupe radio network and joining us right now by zoom is ray grahalba from the joy of faith youtube channel good morning to you ray good morning how are you doing joe praise god i am alive and that counts amen and yourself oh i'm doing great doing great couldn't you've be better. It, you made it to the last day. Congratulations. You yes. 2020 has been an amazing year for myself and this project, so I'm excited to share it with you all. Oh, praise God. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. So we're talking about the Eucharistic Miracles movie. Uh, we're going to jump into that in a moment. But before we do that, Ray, why don't you tell us about The Joy of Faith? Yeah, so The Joy of the Faith is a YouTube channel that uh, I started all because of a Bible study, a focused Bible study that I led when I was in college and it really it transformed my life and my brothers and several other men. Um, and then my wife said, you need to make a YouTube channel on apologetics, on the rosary and things like that. And it, it's just developed. Uh, I've been married for five years, have 18-month-old twin boys. They're amazing. And uh, just sharing that Catholicism and Christianity are what allow us to live the most joyful life. People often think that faith is a, uh, a chain that holds us down. But no, it orders our life in the best way that we can glorify God and thereby have the most joyful life. Amen to that. And uh, I sup I'm just uh, supposing it's youtube.com forward slash joy of the faith. Yeah, the, the URL is a little confusing, but if you just type in <laughs> the joy of the faith on YouTube, you'll see the channel. And we have videos on Fulton Sheen and obviously what? Eucharistic miracles, the Shroud of Turin, different things like that. Oh, wonderful. Praise God for that. Uh, so let's talk about the Eucharistic miracles movie. How did you get interested or involved in this project? You know, I have always loved Eucharistic miracles since I was young. I'm a I'm an engineer by trade. I studied materials engineering, so I've always had that scientific mind. And hearing about Lanciano and these miracles, Lanciano is also known as Lanciano, uh, but Lanciano is the Italian pronunciation. <laughs> to hear about these miracles growing up, I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! How do people not believe in this?" And then as I as I got older, I said, "Where's where are the studies on this? Where's the the well done videos?" And uh, I, I went out to make one. In the process, I was able to interview a, a doctor in Mexico who actually analyzed the Eucharistic miracle in Tixla. Uh, so a firsthand account, it was amazing. And uh, several other doctors and put together a video. Uh, it's on YouTube. Now it has over 400,000 views. So I was amazed by that. Wow. But what happened was uh, 
Instagram is what led to this movie. The uh, director, uh, he's out in Hollywood. He messaged me and said, hey, Ray, I want to do a project. I Zoomed him and he, he said, hey, Ray, I want to do this with you. We just need to do a Kickstarter or whatever. Immediately after that, I talked to another guy that is now the producer. And he said, hey, Ray, I want to help you make this movie. So they end up going to the same parish in Los Angeles. So this is totally guided by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's amazing. We're talking with Ray Grahalba of The Joy of the Faith about this Eucharistic Miracles movie. Now, Ray, I wonder if you might uh, share with us a story or maybe two, maybe at least your favorite Eucharistic Miracle story. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the movie, we're going to cover three Eucharistic Miracles. And these miracles are miracles that have been studied medically. So we have the, the reports and stuff like that. Hopefully, we'll be able to speak with either the doctors that analyze it or doctors that have analyzed the results of it. Uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Tixla, Mexico, and Lanchano, Italy. So my favorite is Tixla, Mexico, because it was just in 2006. So mm. that's pretty recent, you know? Pretty recent. Um, and the thing that I, yeah, yeah. And the thing that I love about that, basically what happened was uh, a nun was distributing communion and she saw like a red liquid coming from the host. And obviously she thought it was blood. So she, she showed the priest and he put it in a pix just to wait for like four years. And then it started to be analyzed. And wow. what they found out in this one, which I, as I'm amazed by, is that the blood came from the inside of the host. It wasn't really? placed on the outside. Wow. I know. Now, one of the things I love about the Eucharistic miracles, I used to read uh, these stories to my children at mealtime. I had the, it, it's a book, I think Tan publishes it. It's been out for many, many years now. And it's just filled with all of these incredible stories. And they're really, really wonderful uh, stories to tell to your family in particular. And what I loved about them from a scientific point of view was anytime they did a uh, some sort of research or study on the particular miracle, they discovered that the, the like when the host would um, would bleed, for instance, it was the same blood type every time, and that blood type usually matches or did does match, in fact, the blood type found in the shroud of Turin, for instance. Uh, yes. They also discovered that when the host uh, was transformed into a tissue uh, substance, that it was the tissue of the of uh, one of the in, the inside of the heart. I think a particular heart valve from the inside of the heart. And again, it was always very consistent from miracle to miracle. So we see these scientific consistencies across many centuries and many different miracles in many different locations. Now, um, I assume your your movie probably deals with those issues as well. Yes. So, you know, Joe, we was, I was actually blessed to speak with a forensic pathologist who just studies tissues. And uh, we spoke for a while and he said, Ray, pretty much in order to create all of these consistencies, uh, it, it would almost be as miraculous as the miracle because the heart <laughs> tissue, right? The myocardium to cut out a sliver of that would basically kill a person, you know, right. Um, right. but, but the, the tissues are living. Yeah. So that's the amazing thing is that the doctor in Mexico that I spoke with, he said this this had been in a pix in just a, a you know a gold container for four years, no treatment or anything like that, and this was still alive. You know wow. the, the fact that that this was living tissue. But why is it alive? What does Jesus say in John six? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Amen. So would we be surprised that? that the, the scripture comes to life in this way. I mean, what else did he mean by living bread? You know, so this is going to be really amazing. One of the things we're extremely excited about in this movie is we're going to create John 6 
Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Ray. I'm sorry. We we do this to all of our guests. We always yeah. cut off our guests. It's, a, it's tradition now at Catholic Drive Time. Hold that thought. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, continue our conversation with Ray Grahalba, uh, a joy of the faith, and Eucharistic miracles. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order. And not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Atheists have often viewed belief in God as wishful thinking, a projection of an idea because man fears death. But is this a fair claim? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, not everyone accepts God's existence for this reason. There are many who acknowledge His existence on the grounds of reasonable arguments. Second, even if someone does believe in God for this reason, it says nothing whether or not the proposition, God exists, is true. And finally, third, the theist could turn the table and say atheists reject God simply because they're scared of a divine rule maker and don't want to submit. Obviously, this is not evidence that can be used in support of theism. So is atheism justified because belief in God is wishful thinking? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with Ray Grijalba of the Joy of the Faith uh, YouTube channel, but he's also part of the Eucharistic Miracles film. We're talking about Eucharistic Miracles, this project, and so much more. And uh, Ray, it's good to have you on. Thanks for, for being with us today. We uh, yeah, great to be on. Real quick, I know Adrian's also got a question, but why why the three miracles you chose? I know I cut you off; you can finish that thought, but I'm also curious why these three miracles that you've uh, and out of all of them, why these three? That is a great question. So, Lanciano in Italy is the most popular Eucharistic miracle. Uh, it's you know from the 800s, so people have toured it for centuries. Uh, in fact, I, Thomas Aquinas even referenced it in the Summa. He didn't say it by name, but he said there are these miracles that occur. So that's pretty incredible. But I chose these three because these were uh, the best documented uh, medically and scientifically. Um, and by that, I mean, there, there was a doctor, Dr. Franco Serafini in Italy. Uh, he actually helped me with my original YouTube video. And he wrote a 200-page book on Eucharistic miracles. And wow. these three were in that book. And uh, the ones that I'd found as most convincing. There's one in Poland that was recently, but I couldn't find the actual documents mm. to read and uh, present because I, I, I myself, I don't want to present anything that I don't fully believe in and have studied and am able to present. So these are the three that, you know, at least for now will be in the movie. Now, they, I guess there could be a part two one day, say, <laughs> you know, we find out yeah. more about Poland or there are other Eucharistic miracles. This is the thing that's amazing is you hear, you know, just in speaking at a few parishes, I've seen people come up to me and, and several different parishes, different times saying, I saw the same miracle that happened in Guadalajara, Mexico, for example, or there were some in New York, different things like this. So I would be happy if, if there were newer ones to study those because those are the most convincing to skeptics. 
and uh, allow us to have the technology to better document them. So the one I mentioned earlier in Teeksla in 2006, I also love that one because we have video footage of them analyzing the host, them wow. zooming in on a microscopic level. So Whoa, to see that is cool. really, you know, it's almost like a, a chain of custody perspective. Mm. This, you know, this was literally in his lab. We have videos of it. Whereas uh, people might say, oh, well, they just made that up. Right. So I have a question about the actual production of the uh, movie itself. Uh, we know I've no- looked at y'all's website and I was seeing how y'all met y'all's goals for raising money for the film. So that means the film's happening. So praise God for that. And uh, the but your stretch goals. I wanted to talk about that because y'all are talking about how you wanted to make uh, some do animation for parts of the movie. And I thought that was really interesting. And uh, me and Joe are both super uh, huge movie buff guys, and so we <laughs> love that kind of stuff. Uh, what are y'all trying to create with this animations and the uh, recreation of? Uh, John six. Yeah. So that's, that's the part that to me, I think will really touch hearts. So we have several verses in scripture that address the Eucharist, the best being John six. When you look in the Greek, it's almost irrefutable. I've never seen anyone correct or uh, address that. So what we're going to do in this movie is we're going to historically enact John six. So we're going to have someone play Jesus. Uh, depending on how everything works out, we might have a, a very big name actor play Jesus, which would be amazing. So we'll see how God works that out. <laughs> but um, pretty much we want to show the people leaving Jesus, you know, where he says, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. We want people to see that because you read that. And some people are like, oh, well, that just meant believe, but to see it. And right. then Jesus turns to the 12 and says, do you also wish to leave? So yeah. really, uh, you know, focus on those Eucharistic uh, Bible verses, um, so there are to address the verse mention, that but, says the flesh is of no avail, right? Um, but yes. to give greater context and meaning to what Christ was res- uh, speaking of there. Exactly. And we've actually already interviewed Tim Staples from Catholic Answers to help address that. We're going to, you know, hopefully get with the best theologians in the Catholic world. So I'm sure you all, you know, when it comes to mind, who are the best in the Catholic world? We have a couple that, that, uh, come up. So through the Holy Spirit, this will all come together. But one that I'm also really excited about is, uh, we're going to try to do a CGI. So computer-generated imaging of transubstantiation, wow. which would be Whoa. awesome. <laughs> How do you oh, do that? that? Yeah. Look at that. Whoa. How do you, what does that even how do you uh, portray curious. transubstantiation? That's super That's crazy. So cool. That's awesome. I know. I know. So this is the thing that – you ready for my answer? Yes. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, we're yeah. super blessed. We're going to have um, animators from Lucas – like that have worked for Lucasfilms and Disney. So – these people are at the cutting edge of their field and have like an artistic mind that I could never even ask for, you know, um, to help put this together. And they're Catholic too, so that's great, you know. Wow, so, wow. No I know, isn't that amazing to, to think that there are people in these, you know, well-known companies that are Catholic and actively yeah. living the faith. So it's going to be amazing how God guides all this, but we've, we, you know, we're going to work with them to, uh, to create this because you always see, you know, like, or you always hear about the teaching of transubstantiation and whatnot, but to see like a, a slight glimpse of what it is actually like um, is going to be incredible. I don't want to say what, what, what I think it's going to be because whatever I'd say is probably way not as impressive <laughs> as what they're going to say. <laughs> now, before, before we move on, before I forget, I just want to ask our listeners to pray for this film because as we saw with The Passion of the Christ, that I guarantee that there will be demonic interference that will try to be with this film. So listeners, please pray for this film. And I wanted to ask, how can we watch it? Is it going to be a premiere in theaters? Are we going to uh, stream it online? How can we watch? 
Yeah, so what it's going to be is we're going to release it in theaters. We're actually going to have a red carpet premiere, just like any other movie. So that's going to be exciting because I don't know if that's happened recently in the Catholic world. Um, but we're going to have it. So we have different goals and whatnot. We're actually just setting out an epic goal, which will be coming out today, where uh, this movie will be even more incredible uh, with your support. So donors that donate uh, $1,000 or above will be invited to that red carpet premiere uh, and there's opportunities to be an extra and things like that. So it's first going to come out in theaters. We're hoping it'll come out in Corpus Christi. But if uh, we get these big of name course. actors, their schedule uh, may not allow. So it may be pushed back a little bit, but we'll keep everyone up to date on the website. And then it'll it'll be streamed on the Christian channel. So ChristianChannel.com. That, mm-hmm. That'll be where it's streamed exclusively. And then we're hoping to get it on Netflix and Amazon Prime so that we can, uh, you know, evangelize through those mediums that... Uh, that definitely needs some help. <laughs> yeah, praise God. We're talking yeah. with Ray Grahalba of The Joy of the Faith and Eucharistic Movie, Miracle Movie. And again, it's ChristianChannel.com, I think, is uh, where you can find a link to this and some more information. Plus, the crowdfunding is there. Um, now, I've made a documentary film myself. Adrian, in fact, helped me with part of that. And uh, I, I, so I learned the hard way that it's one thing to make a great film. Not saying I accomplished that, but it's one thing to make a great film. It's quite another to get the film out in front of the public. And I, and I know how hard that is in the distribution side. How hard has it been for you to, I know you have not, you're not there yet, but are, how have you been planning? I know you said you're going to be in theaters. Um, what is your distribution model really going to look like? How hard is it going to be for you to get this out in front of people? And, you know, uh, what are your, what are your expectations for that? Joe, that is an awesome question that I haven't been asked before. So it's because I know how hard it is. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I have been blown away by the support of Catholics from around the world. I mean, there are people that have messaged me uh, on my my website and said, Hey, Ray, I'll translate it into German, Romanian, Spanish, all these languages for free, because that's one of the things is we want this to be a universal film. Like what does Catholic mean? Universal. And we want to show the world the miracle of Christ in the Eucharist. Mm. So that, that, from that perspective, it hasn't been challenging at all. I mean, we met our goal uh, several days early, you know, so much so that we're going to create a new one till the end of the month. Um, so God. distribution, I don't think will be as challenging, but Joe you, and, you know, Adrian, you all are what is allowing this movie to grow even more because by being on your shows, Father Mark Goring had me on, uh, several other, the Catholic talk shows had me on, all these other uh, platforms have brought this movie to others and uh, you know Catholic Connect all these great Catholic resources have been so generous in their support so we're going to have uh, uh, some other large radio stations uh, in the Catholic world uh, that have said that yeah once this is done we'll have you on um, you know hopefully we could be on you know EWTN and different things like that but it's just been amazing I've been shocked to see Catholics even like celebrity Catholics being like oh yeah I'd be happy to help with this movie it's Praise really, God. I think this is something at the core that everyone wants to know about and hear about. And, and just as I mentioned at the beginning of the video, my YouTube channel is not super large. And for this video to get 400,000 views in just a couple of months is mind blowing. So the world wants this and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to leverage the connections that we have. Angelo's got a lot of connections being, uh, in, in Hollywood for like the last 30 years. So we're so. about to uh, we're about to go in about three minutes. But I wanted to let the listeners know at the end of the show today, after the second hour, I'm going to clip this uh, 
this interview, I'm going to post it individually, and in the description, I'm going to include all the information, the links to all the information regarding the, the new movie uh, there below. But I just wanted to include that. So if you wanted to share this with other people, you don't have to share the whole two-hour uh, interview. You can uh, find that on our YouTube and Facebook page. Yeah, and Ray, before we let you go, what message do you think this film is going to send to a hurting world, a world that is denying Christ? That is a great question, Emily. So this is kind of going in line with what what would be the last thing I want to share. To my knowledge, uh, there isn't a single piece or or movie or anything like that that you could share with anyone, no matter where they're at in their faith, whether they have no faith, whether they're a fundamentalist Christian, that you could share with them and say, hey, watch this and let me know what you think. We're praying that this will be that movie. We're going to get... Catholic physicists, hopefully from the Magia Center, which you guys just heard on radio, on the radio break before, to explain how transubstantiation is something you can believe in, you know, being a scientist, you know, because we always hear science and faith contradict. But then we're going to go into the biblical apologetic version to reach those, you know, fundamentalist Christians. We're also going to address the human aspect and how it's changed people's life to reach those that maybe have fallen away or said, I received the Eucharist my whole life, but, you know, it, it made no difference. To, to really bring, uh, you know, to, to create a movie that can reach people no matter where they're at, to bring them closer to Jesus. And I hope devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, because what we see in all of these miracles, as Joe mentioned before, is that it's heart tissue, that we all have broken or hardened hearts. And by receiving the Eucharistic heart of Jesus, he can make us whole. So that's what I would say. And right. I appreciate all your guys' support. Praise Amen. be to Jesus Thank Christ. You, Ray Grahalba, Joy of the Faith on YouTube. Check that out. And ChristianChannel.com. Look for the Eucharistic Miracles uh, information. Plus, we'll post links to it in the description of our videos on uh, YouTube and Facebook and elsewhere. Ray, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Thank you. All right. We're going to say goodbye for the first hour. If you can join us in the next hour, boy, would we love to hang out with you for another hour. We are gonna, we're going to have more breaking news, more stories, gospel, saint of the day, plus the Catholic trivia game, giving out some prizes. OLArmory.com is our sponsor. That's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, Jason Jones is going to be on with us to talk about the lockdowns, stimulus money, rallies, the pro-life cause at the end of 2020. All of that and more on Catholic Drive Time coming up next. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Many Protestants believe we are saved by faith alone, and they say Catholics believe they can work their way into heaven. How do you answer that? First, I ask them to show me where in the Catechism, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, does it teach that we can work our way into heaven. They can't because it doesn't. The Catholic Church has never taught a doctrine of salvation by works, that we can work our way into heaven. Second, I ask them to show me where in the Bible does it teach that we are saved by faith alone. They can't because it doesn't. The only place in all of Scripture where the phrase faith alone appears is in James 2.24 where it says that we are not, not justified or saved by faith alone. So one of the main pillars of Protestantism, the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not only doesn't appear in the Bible, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite, that we are not saved by faith alone. 
Third, I asked them that if works have nothing to do with our salvation, then how come every passage in the New Testament that talks about judgment says we will be judged by our works, not by faith alone? We see this in Romans 2, Matthew 15, 1 Peter 1, and many other verses. Fourth, I asked them if we are saved by faith alone, why does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say that love is greater than faith? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Catholics believe that we are saved by God's grace alone. We can do nothing apart from God's grace to receive the free gift of salvation. However, we have to respond to His grace. Protestants believe that too. However, many Protestants believe that the only response necessary is an act of faith, whereas Catholics believe a response of faith and works is necessary, whereas the Bible puts it in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Faith working through love, just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you this morning. God is so very good. You made it. It's the last day of 2020. You made it this far. Tomorrow is a brand new day, a brand new year, a brand new opportunity. Not that it's not going to be hard or difficult or even painful in many ways. It could still just be that, but it's an opportunity to grow in grace, to share the good, the true, and the beautiful to a world that is desperate to hear that message. And uh, today on Catholic Drive Time, we're going to have a great hour lined up for you this hour. Emily Alcarez is here. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. You got all nothing but positive news today, I hear. <laughs> I wish. You wish. Although yeah. our, our, in the last hour, the interview with Ray was so, just so uplifting. It Love was, that. yeah. Praise God. You know, uh, we're going to be posting that interview as an individual segment on our YouTube channel. You can look for it there. Just go to youtube.com forward slash GRN online. Make sure you like and subscribe. Hit the bell notification while you're there. But we also post links to everything we discuss over on our Facebook side, facebook.com forward slash GRN online. But we're also like on Instagram too, right? I mean, I'm not in charge of that part. You are. That's so. right. So our listeners can follow us at Catholic Drive Time on Twitter and Instagram. And I post on Parlor. You can find me on Parlor at uh, Catholic Hack. It's an old thing I used to do way back in the day. Catholic Hack, H-A-C-K. Speaking of hacks, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Um, I, 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 it's I a great help. title, man. It's a great I, title. I I, Adrian, help. what a hack. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be Actually, me. It's good to be me. 
Actually, Adrian, you've been doing a great job this week. It's not easy producing the show. Too many spinning plates, too many things going on all at once, and you make, you're make you starting to make it look easy. So congratulations and hats off to you. Thank all you those hats much. look good on you, all now, the hats you wear. Yeah. <laughs> My head just got 10 times bigger today, so yeah. I'm sure something will go wrong and humiliate don't me. Say, don't say that. Well, praise God, we've come to the last day of the year. Uh, now, Tomorrow is a pre-recorded show. It's all new content. You've not heard this before, but we won't actually be in the studio tomorrow. We'll be sleeping in a little bit, I hope. Uh, but tomorrow morning, we'll have Tim Staples on in the first hour to talk about Our Lady uh, as Mother of God and where the church, you know, how the church defends that position, why it teaches that. All of that in the first hour. And then in the second hour, our friend Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours YouTube channel, massive channel. You should check it out. Uh, to, we'll talk about Our Lady and from a devotional standpoint. So tomorrow is going to be all about um, the Mother of God. You should tune in. It's going to be wonderful. But today on this program, this hour, Jason Jones will be on with us in the guest segment to talk about lockdowns, the rallies, uh, the uh, stimulus money, and the pro-life cause as it stands on uh, December 31st of 2020. That's coming up, plus the game show. So prizes are involved. We always have a great time giving out uh, the prizes, but also uh, just to teach the faith, just a little bit, share a little bit about the faith. You learn something, you have a laugh in the process, and you might win some prizes. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Emily, we pulled the name today, do we not? Oh, that's right. We pick a winner today, so you're going to want to get a chance today. Mm-hmm. Last winner, time, winner. last chance. I was going to say chicken dinner, but it's a rosary that we're giving out this uh, to this week. It's from OLArmory.com as our sponsor. We're very grateful to them for generously donating an armor uh, an OLArmory.com rosary. Now, the phone number for that, I'll give it to you as a teaser, is 877-757-9424. That's the phone number. Write that down. When we give out the number again, you can be the first caller and you get to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. Let's pray. Let's bring our intentions to Our Lady. I'm praying for the uh, apostolate here and all of us, all of our teammates, all of our family members, all of our needs. And, uh, And dear listener, I invite you to pray for all of your needs as well. And let's uh, ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. A hospital worker in Wisconsin intentionally destroyed over 500 doses of the Moderna vaccine. The employee was fired after removing 57 vials of the vaccine from the hospital's refrigerator. In a statement to Fox News, advocate Aurora Health said it was led to believe the act was an error, but the employee in question later acknowledged they did it on purpose. The hospital said in a statement that they are more than disappointed that the individual's action will result in a delay of more than 500 people receiving their vaccine. In Los Angeles, 235 people were arrested in December for coronavirus restriction violations. 158 of these arrests were made at a massive underground party the first week of December. The L.A. Sheriff Alex Villanueva said, quote, I've made it clear that we will seek out and take law enforcement action against all super spreader events occurring anywhere within Los Angeles County. 
The county has enacted some of the toughest restrictions in the state and has some of the highest numbers of cases in the country. Catholics around the world responded with sadness and disappointment at this week's legalization of abortion in Argentina. A few hours after the legalization, the House of Representatives in Paraguay held one minute of silence for the babies that will die. Congressman Raul Latore of Paraguay said, quote, I ask for one minute of silence for the thousands of lives of Argentinian brothers and sisters who are going to be lost, even before they're born, based on the recent decision made by the Senate of the neighboring country. Another Paraguayan congressman called the decision a tragedy. The Argentinian Bishops' Conference released a statement saying, quote, We deeply regret the remoteness of the leadership from the people's feelings, which has been expressed in various ways in favor of life throughout our country. The Pontifical Mission Societies reported that 20 Catholic missionaries were killed this year. Those who lost their lives in service of the church comprised eight priests, three religious women, one male religious, two seminarians, and six laypeople. Agenzia Fides highlighted the 18-year-old Nigerian seminarian Michael Nanadi, who was murdered after he continued to preach the gospel of Christ to his kidnappers. The information service also added, quote, The provisional list compiled annually by Fides must be added to the long list of many of whom there may never be news, who in every corner of the world suffer and even pay with their lives for their faith in Christ. A reminder that tomorrow, January 1st, is the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, and is a holy day of obligation. These are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. John Francis Regis, pray for us. Born on uh, January 31st, 1597, he joined the Jesuits at 18 years old. Uh, Loved to preach. He loved to teach catechism, in fact, to children, and his efforts paid off. He was born in France, by the way, so we're talking about a man in the uh, 16th and 17th century in France. And at the time, there were many people who were leaving the church, and he was able to bring many back into the faith. He taught the catechism to the kids, and the kids would often share that with mom and dad, and many of the parents were coming back into the church even before he was ordained. He was ordained at 34 years old, worked among plague victims, as well in Toulouse, France, Uh, but he was sent to as an evangelist, as a missionary to a province where many had fallen away from the Catholic faith, and he immediately took on a sort of a simple and a poor lifestyle. You know, preaching to the to the farmers there, bringing and converting many back to the faith. Um, but he lived off of apples and black bread and whatever came to hand. He, he didn't want to spend a lot of time fussing over his livelihood or his well-being. He simply wanted to preach and to bring souls back to Christ. And many of his Jesuit contemporaries began to criticize him because he didn't seem to act like, you know, look, dress, care for, and act and speak like the normal Jesuits, but he dismissed it as not theology, but rather jealousy. Um, now, he also established hostels for women who were caught up in prostitution, uh, called the Daughters of Refuge, and they wanted to leave that lifestyle, so he was helping them, reaching out to them. He established uh, confraternities of the Blessed Sacrament. He even established a granary for the poor, which on many occasions was miraculously refilled. 
He was known for some healings. But again, there was so much criticism from his contemporaries that at one point, even though he was persevering, at one point he did ask his superior uh, to be transferred to Canada from France in hopes of being able to preach without politics. They, of course, denied him the request and he stayed in France. At 43, uh, St. John Francis Regis was, uh, he was given a premonition, a premonition of his death. So he went on retreat for three days and made a general confession, spent time before the Blessed Sacrament. And then bad weather set in. He was preaching a parish mission in the village, mountain villages, and he developed pneumonia. And he died with the words, Jesus, my Savior, I recommend my soul to you on his lips. St. John Regis. Uh, St. John Francis Regis, pray for us. He dies in December of 16, uh, I think it was 1640. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. The shepherds were in haste, uh, went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by him, uh, by the angel, given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. A couple of points here on this particular gospel passage. The shepherds being among the low class of the society in that time. So we saw the Magi, remember? Uh, they represent the pagans. They represent the Gentiles coming to adore Christ. Uh, we have now the shepherds, the low class, coming to see this this little infant that was spoken of by the heavenly host that came to visit them while they were in the fields tending their flocks. You can imagine uh, what that might have been like. So we see all of creation in many ways stopping and pausing to come to the incarnation, the visitation of the second person of the Blessed Trinity among us, to tabernacle among us. It's quite a beautiful image, and it should really remind us to stop and pause of the busyness of the everyday, the mundane, the, um, you know, sort of the material aspects of this life, and to stop and to take, uh, not for granted, but to really appreciate the incarnation. You know, that was part of the problem with the Israelites, that Jesus would condemn them later, that they did not pay attention to the visitation. And uh, so he, here we are reminded by the shepherds, the lowest in the class. Now, also, Mary keeps all things in her heart, pondering them, chewing, meditating, gnawing upon this actual uh, revelation that's happening right in front of her eyes, not just in a book that she might have read and, and, and uh, learned. In fact, and, uh, tradition tells us that Our Lady went to the temple at four years old and was raised there in the temple mending uh, the uh, sort of the vestments of the priests and, and listening to the word being proclaimed constantly, that she would have had most of the, you know, the Old Testament memorized. She would have been very, very familiar with all of the prophecies of the coming Messiah, of, uh, you know, the, the, the virgin that would bear this child. She would have known all of that. Daniel 9, she would have known all of that. And yet, right before her very eyes is 
this revelation taking place and she's chewing on it, gnawing on it, meditating. But it reminds us that Luke got this information from Mary herself. It, she is the source of the, na- the nativity narrative. And what a beautiful revelation that is that to be provided for posterity, for the rest of us, for the mystical body of Christ so many generations later that we can now ponder, meditate, and appreciate alongside Our Lady who keeps all these things in her heart. Uh, now, I was going to dive into the circumcision, but I know Adrian is very fond of that part. So, Adrian, I'm going to let you jump in here. <laughs> yeah, the last hour you stole my thunder. I was like, dang, what am I going to talk about now? I'm so sorry. No, but uh, I do want to talk about the circumcision. And what I didn't get to talk about yes, uh, or last hour was that the the sign of circumcision is a sign of the is the old covenant in, uh, type of baptism. And so whenever our Lord is circumcised, he becomes sin. Uh, what, that's why scripture says he, he who knew no sin, uh, became sin because, uh, his, even though he did not need circumcision, he took on circumcision and was, uh, and sanctified the act and sanctified him, uh, but not, did not sanctify himself because he needed no sanctification as he is God. And in fact, the blood of our Lord that was shed during his circumcision was enough to save all mankind, uh, should he have wanted that to do so. Uh, so it's quite amazing to look at the circumcision and uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and Venerable Bede uh, talk about the seven uh, reasons why the circumcision happened. Uh, but we don't have enough time to go into it that uh, go into all seven reasons. But highly recommend if you get a chance to go check that out with uh, Cornelius Alapide, uh gets it all together into uh, a list. So if you wanted to read that, but I do think that it's a very interesting thing to meditate on and to, and to get to know. Uh, we are actually going to go to break in about two minutes. And at that time, when we come back, we're going to go into the game show. So if you wanted to be our caller, call 877-757-9424. Joe? Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. The game show is coming up next. It's our sneaky little way of teaching a little bit about the faith, one question at a time, having a good laugh in the process, and also making it easy to win some prizes. And uh, this week, OLArmory.com has generously underwritten our prize, so we're going to be able to give away a beautiful men's rosary, a paracorded, tough men's rosary this week, and we pull a winner out today. So if you want to be in on that drawing, all you got to do is call 877-757-9424. You don't even need to know the answers to the questions because I won't ask you, dear listener, the questions. I'll ask Emily and Adrian. So you get a pass on that. You get a 50-50 shot at getting uh, uh, up to three chances to win. So all of that is on the other side of the break. Just call 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. We'll be back with Fear and Trembling. Our trivia game show is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, 
our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, letting you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. And uh, we should give extra credit for anybody who knows what verse I stole that from. Uh, I I took it completely from St. Paul. And maybe anybody hanging out on social media, if you can comment on Facebook, maybe we'll give you an entry into the, uh, a bonus entry into the drawing today. If you comment on uh, facebook.com forward slash GRN online, find the live video feed, comment there before the segment's over. Maybe I'll throw you in the cup just as a little thank you. Uh, No, online.com. Just search for that. All right. So this is how the game works. We have a contestant on the phone. We'll go to him in a minute. But the game works like this. I have three questions in my hand. And these represent three opportunities to win the prize, which is the, the, uh, the rosary. And Emily will talk more about that in a moment. Now, we don't ask the contestant, the caller, the questions. No, we ask Emily. We ask Adrian. One has a right answer. One has a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide which one they want to go with. Every right answer gets into the coffee cup of divine providence to possibly win the prize today. And Emily, tell us about the prize. Today's prize is a paracord rosary from Our Lady's Armory. Our Lady's Armory makes handcrafted gear for the battle-ready Catholic. So very durable rosaries. The battle-ready Catholic. Now, I want to give a little uh, sort of disclaimer here. Uh, we've uh, Emily and Adrian, they already know the answers to the questions. Okay, because... <laughs> 
I think, Adrian, your parents are like uh, kind of uh, ashamed that you're getting some of these answers wrong. <laughs> and uh, I just, to, to defend you a little bit, it's not that you don't know the answers, it's that you are intentionally getting them wrong, sometimes anyway, uh, in order to make the game more interesting and compelling. So I uh, just wanted to give you a little defense there. Oh, the so, secret's out. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's, it's totally, the whole thing is a, is a smoke and mirrors, let's just say. Uh, but it's a sneaky little way for us. Don't tell anybody we're doing this, but it's a sneaky way for us to teach a little bit about the faith and have fun in the process while giving our, our callers the maximum opportunity to get chances to win the, the, the rosary today. All right, so that's how the game is played. That is the, the back end of all of this. Let's go to the phones. Daniel calling in this morning. Good morning to you, Daniel. God bless you. Thank you for being on our program. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Daniel, where are you from? Originally, I'm from Bolivia, but I live in Northern Virginia. Northern Ooh. Virginia, praise be to Jesus. Where, where do you uh, Where do you go to mass, Daniel? Uh, <laughs> different places. Uh, there's three churches that we visit: uh, San Charles, the Nativity, and Holy Spirit. Ah, wonderful! Praise God for that. Uh, you know, I know. Well, some, most of us have three or four churches that we that we frequent <laughs> all the time. You're not alone there, Daniel. All right, so a uh, great opportunity today, Daniel, to win a, a man's rosary, a paracorded rosary. Do you have a good rosary already, Daniel? I do, I do, but uh, you know, you can always have an extra one. You can <laughs> never right. have enough you rosaries, can never man. Never have, have enough. enough. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. All right, do you understand how the game is played, Daniel? Yes. Yes. All right, here we go. Emily, we'll start with you as usual. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, here we go. It's like St. Paul, I mean St. Peter. That's right. Do you love me. All right, <laughs> Emily, here we go. Okay. What feast was Christ celebrating at the Last Supper? What feast was Christ celebrating at the Last Supper? So, I know that... It was a Jewish feast. I'm not super familiar with Jewish feasts. Uh, the only one I can think of is a Hanukkah. A Hanukkah. Okay. So you're on the board for Hanukkah. Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, what feast was Christ celebrating at the Last Supper? Which feast? Well, I mean, uh, Hanukkah is the feast of the second Maccabees. Uh, so I'm going to go with Passover. You're going to get. You're on the board for Passover. That's what I'm on the board Are for. Are you sure? Well, 99%. Not 99%. Maybe like 98%. Fairly, so you're fairly sure. All right, so Emily's on the board for Hanukkah, and Adrian is on the board for Passover. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Daniel, what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian. Adrian, survey says... Congratulations. Well done, Daniel. You're Good already job. in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence to win today's gift, which is the rosary from olarmory.com. Congratulations. Praise God. Well done. Thank All right. You, two, two more chances. Are you ready, Daniel? Yes, sir. Fascinating fact, by the way, Second Maccabees, Hanukkah. I, I don't believe the, uh, the Protestants recognize that as an inspired book in the, in the canon of the Old Testament. So... Just a little fascinating fact there. All right, so second question, we're going to go to Adrian first. This one is probably going to be, it could be a little tougher, unless you're a liturgist. Adrian, are you a liturgist? I don't play one on TV, that's for sure. That is not the actual question, but here we go. (laughs) Here we go. What is the term for the square white linen folded into nine sections that the host is placed upon during a mass? Hmm... 
That's it's interesting. Fold, it's linen. It's folded in, in nine sections. Okay, so a padded is what's it's the golden uh, plate that they'd use to uh, hold the Eucharist. I'm going to go with a lavabo cloth. A lavabo cloth. That's what I'm going to go with. That's easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, Emily, Emily, what is the term for the square white linen folded into nine sections that the host is placed upon during a mass? Now, I, d- I know Adrian's an altar server, so he has an advantage here, but I think I do know this one from my catechism oh. classes. Oh, oh wow. This wow, is a catechism? The word is corporal, which comes from the Latin word for body because we put the body of Christ on it. Oh, whoa. Wow. <laughs> That's a pretty compelling argument there. Emily is on the board for corporal. Adrian, the altar server, is on the board for lavabo clock. <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Daniel. What say you? I am going to go with uh, Miss Emily. Survey says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hold that. <laughs> a a lavabo cloth is uh, is the cloth that the you that the priest used to uh, clean his hands whenever he oh. poured the water over his hands. Oh, your parents are really rolling their eyes at you now. Idea. They don't know what a lavabo cloth <laughs> is. 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 I mean, if we're going to get it wrong, we have to get it uh, more closely wrong, I suppose. <laughs> well, we did was... it, Daniel. We're in twice. Captain, obvious. Well, wow. <laughs> Yeah, congratulations, Daniel. You got two chances in the coffee cup of divine providence today. Praise God for that. Third question. This one could be tricky, though. Okay, so in all honesty, this one could be a tricky question. Daniel, are you ready for your third shot? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Emily, back to you. Which pope ruled for only 22 days? That is a tough one. What? Which pope ruled for only 22 days? What happened to him? Well, I'm going (laughs) to... The only pope I know who had a very short papacy was John Paul I. Because no one even knows about... No one knows anything about him. (laughs) I'm is gonna, that your answer? Yeah, I'm going to go with John Paul the First. You're on the board for John Paul the First. Mm-hmm. All right, very good, very good. Uh, Adrian, which pope ruled for only 22 days? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one, actually. That's a really difficult one. Uh, there's only two popes that has sh- like had this sort of a reign, and that's John Paul the First, who I believe ruled for I think like 30 days ish. And so I'm going to go with Marcellus the Second. I think he was the one who ruled for 22 days specifically, but don't quote me on that. All right, so your your actual answer is Marcellus II. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go with. All right, so Adrian is on the board for Marcellus II. Emily is on the board for John Paul I. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Daniel, what say you? Do I get a lifeline? <laughs> 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 Time's running out, Daniel. Who are you going to go with, Emily or Adrian, on this? JP, I'll JP one. I'll go. I will go with the one that says that uh, John, 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 John Paul the first. Was it the first? All right. S- survey says. I'm so sorry, Daniel. The actual answer is Marcellus II. To be fair, I guess John Paul I, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you're right. in for two times, Daniel. God love you. Uh, congratulations for getting two of the three answers right anyway. You, you, your chances are actually still very good to win the rosary from OLArmory.com. Are we pulling that out after the break? Yeah, don't go anywhere, Daniel. Stay on hold. We're going to have to get your information in case you are the winner. But we're very grateful you're on the program today. 
I do. Thank you. I appreciate the work you guys do. Thank you. Amen. Merry Christmas, Daniel. Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. New Year. We're going to put you on hold there, Daniel. We'll be uh, getting your info. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We'll have more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. Plus, our conversation with Jason Jones is coming up. We're going to talk about the lockdowns, the impact of lockdowns, stimulus money, rallies in D.C., plus the pro-life cause, where it stands on the last day of 2020. All that coming up on Catholic Drive Time after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now, the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's having a relationship with George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Thursday morning headlines. On Wednesday, the governor of California announced the second confirmed case of the new and potentially more contagious variant of the coronavirus. The variant, known as B117, was discovered in the United Kingdom earlier this month and was first identified in the United States and Colorado. Dr. Greg Armstrong from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says that several states, including California, Massachusetts, and Delaware, are now analyzing suspicious virus samples for the variant. A recent survey found that two-thirds of Americans do not care if their home smart device like Alexa is listening. The survey, which was conducted on over 1,000 adults, was in response to the suspicions about advertising that appears on someone's mobile smartphone or tablet shortly after a conversation about a particular item or topic. Amazon and other manufacturers repeatedly assure the public that their devices do not constantly monitor a user's every word. However, the New York Times and other publications have reported that the devices are constantly listening, if for no other reason, so they can hear their default command word. 
A magnitude 6.4 earthquake killed at least seven people in Croatia on Tuesday. The Bishop of Šizak is asking Catholics to fast and pray today for the people of Croatia. Bishop Vlado Košić said that many Croatians have been left homeless and injured, and over a dozen churches have been destroyed, including the cathedral. Croatia is a nation where 86% of citizens consider themselves Catholic, and one of the seven victims of the earthquake was an organist found inside a church. The Pope tweeted about the disaster on Wednesday, saying, quote, Yesterday, an earthquake in Croatia caused victims and caused serious damage. I express my closeness to the wounded and to those who have been affected by the quake, and I pray in particular for those who have lost their lives and for their families. This Wednesday, the Holy Father gave his final general audience address of 2020. He dedicated the address to the prayer of thanksgiving, which the Catechism recognizes as one of the principal forms of prayer, alongside blessing and adoration, petition, intercession, and praise. In the address, Pope Francis said, quote, Christians, as all believers, bless God for the gift of life. To live is above all to have received. All of us are born because someone wanted us to have life. And this is only the first of a long series of debts that we incur by living. Debts of gratitude. At the end of the audience, the Pope also prayed again for the victims of the earthquake in Croatia. Again, a reminder that tomorrow, January 1st, is the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, and is a holy day of obligation. These are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. And uh, just about a minute from now, we'll be on the phone with Jason Jones. Uh, we're going to be talking about the lockdowns, stimulus money rallies, the pro-life movement at the end of 2020, all that coming up in just a moment. But uh, we have to pull a winner out of the coffee cup of divine providence to give away the rosary this week. Emily, do you have that coffee cup ready to go? Yeah, actually, we have an in-studio guest. My friend Marissa is visiting from Tacoma, Washington, and she's all going right. to pull the winner this morning. Give it a nice shake, Marissa. Nice. Let's be fair and as honest as we possibly can to uh, pull out a winner there. All right, now draw a name out, and then let's read that live over the air here. Can we get a drum roll? I know. We need a, we need an effect there. I keep saying I'm going to do that, and I keep forgetting. All right, and the winner is? The winner is Sophia. Sophia, Sophia. congratulations. Congratulations. You'll be getting the uh, men's rosary, the paracord rosary from OLArmory.com. Congratulations. Thanks for playing. And everybody, you get a new opportunity starting next week on, uh, I guess it's uh, Monday, praise God, the 4th. By the way, Stations of the Cross joins the Catholic Drive Time family on Monday as well, so we're looking forward to that. But uh, joining us right now by Zoom chat is our, uh, our friend Jason Jones. He is the president of Movie to Movement, the Vulnerable People Project, and the Human Rights Education Organization Hero. He lives in Texas now with his family. He published his first book, The Race to Save Our Century, in 2014. And he's also the host of the Jason Jones Show a podcast and is a frequent contributor to the stream. And uh, Jason, happy uh, New Year, Merry Christmas, and thanks for being a part of our program today. It's great to be here. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas. Praise be to Jesus. Now, I want to start with, uh, you left Hawaii, and you came to the great uh, People's Republic of Texas. Uh, what drove you to leave the beautiful state of Hawaii to come all the way to, uh, to Texas? Yeah, it's sad. We do. We see ourselves as refugees. The, the Democrat governor of Hawaii has just been totalitarian in the lockdowns. There, have been, there are lines for food seven miles long. Wow. Our economy has been decimated. Waikiki in the evening looks like Haiti because, you know, the tourists are gone for the most part. They're starting to trickle back from what my friends are telling me. 
But what you do see is the um, sort of the decay that had already been there. So there's a lot of, you know, hooligans and sex industry is very visible. Uh, How bad our homelessness has always been is now really visible because it's all you see. The the tourists are gone. So it's it's there. And um, they had these 14 day lock quarantines. Every time you come back, you have to be quarantined for 14 days. I travel to the mainland about every two weeks. Mm. So we just had to make a decision. A friend of mine that was working in the state government told me in June that he saw the plan and that there would be rolling lockdowns until there was a vaccine. And if you don't get the vaccine, they'll continue to quarantine you every time you come home. <laughs> well, I, wow. I have no plan on taking the, cor- the, the vaccine. So it, in June, or late June, we decided we had to go. And it's, it's strange now we've been in Texas since first week of August and we've been here for more of the lockdown than we were in Hawaii. And it seemed like forever when we were there, you know, in New Braunfels, Texas, where we live, it's, it's almost business as usual. You know, <laughs> everything's open. My kids are doing horseback riding and swimming lessons and gymnastics. All of their activities in Hawaii are still shut down. Mm. So they still would, my, my kids still would not have been going to ballet or drama or swim, soccer, all of that. But since, since the day we arrived in Texas, they've jumped right back into their activities. Wow. I, I used to live in Hawaii myself, and uh, I remember the homeless being there, and, and there were many towns in California that were giving them one-way plane tickets to Hawaii. And uh, we would sleep on the beach with the homeless at night because it was so perfect and beautiful weather. Everybody would hang out, but the tourist industry far outweighed that, so you didn't pay attention to it. But I can imagine now uh, what that might look like and how sad that is for for an island that depends so much upon tourist dollars and uh, how... Uh, how I don't know dystopia that might feel to so many native uh, people living there. Well, I'm I'm glad you were able to get out when you could. What do you do? You do you envision a day where you might go back? Okay, if we can, if we yeah, can go back you know, to something that feels normal. Yeah, I'm going back in a couple of weeks to give a speech, and I've I've I I told my friends I'm not leaving Hawaii. I'm deploying to the mainland. Yeah. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> So one of the big things I've been fighting for, we're launching a new program. My organization, Hero, has two big programs, Movie to Movement and Vulnerable People Project. But we're launching a new program. It's, it's called the Hawaii Food Security Act. Mm. Uh, because of the transnational GATT 94 agreement, Hawaii, which once our biggest industry in the early 90s, up until the early 90s, was agriculture. So we were a state that fed the world. But uh, thanks to President Clinton... In the GATT 94 agreement, Hawaii was removed from global food production. It was just a decision that was made not by the people of Hawaii uh, that, you know, pineapples and sugar and, and our, so our ag vanished. Mm. It disappeared, uh, you know, as, as a major, it was the center of Hawaii life was agriculture. It was the center of our, our community, our culture grew around the agriculture industry. And then it was just yanked away. Well, there's something called the Jones Act. I don't mean to bore your listeners with Hawaii specifics, but the jo- Jones Act, which I support, is designed to protect domestic shipbuilders and shipping. And so if a ship comes to the mainland, it has to go back to where it came from or another foreign port. So that means every ship from Asia goes right past Hawaii. And all the ships leaving the States goes right past Hawaii. We need, so there's two shipping companies that basically have to provide us with everything which inflates our costs 20, 30%. Mm. 
And that 80, 90% of our food comes on those ships because we don't have an ag industry anymore. So there's been attempts to make Hawaii exempt to the Jones Act, which, uh, you know, seeing that we're the furthest place in the world from any other place in the world, it would make sense for our, for our food security and also for our national security because Hawaii is the forward projection of power to the east. It's really a battleship. It's I say it's a it's a battleship with some hotels on it, um, but uh, we're not going to get an exemption to the Jones Act. Well, then I think we need to revitalize our ag industry. Seeing that, that this, the federal government took it from us, they should fund it. They should fund its revitalization. So that what the Hawaii Food Security Act would do is move Hawaii from about forty seven in ag subsidies to about twenty five, and in twelve months we could be food secure. Right now, if the ships stop in two weeks, we begin to starve. That's incredible. And I read the news every day, and it's just incredible that I don't see this anywhere. Who is reporting on this? Nobody. Um, Jason, Emily here. I'm a refugee, not from Hawaii, but from Chicago. Um, and I'm, God bless Texas. But another pro-life issue that people are not addressing that I've heard you speak about is the Uyghurs in China. So can you tell us a little bit about what you know about that situation? Yeah, you know, my organization's unusual. I, I had this idea in college. When, before I was a Catholic, I was just a young atheist who I saw abortion as a human rights issue. And so I wanted to start an organization that worked to defend the vulnerable from violence, not as sort of se- what, quote unquote, what would they call a seamless garment, which submerges abortion in a sea of prudential issues on everything from immigration policy to, you know, what minimum wage should be. I thought I wanted to find an organization that worked directly to defend those facing violence. And so we work a lot with ethnic and religious minorities. About uh, five years ago, I was approached by a gentleman who is now the prime minister in exile of Chinese occupied East Turkestan. He approached me and said, you know what you're doing for the people of Iraq? Can you do that for the Uyghur? And I didn't know much about the Uyghur. And at the time, the concentration camps were just starting to be built. Well, today, there's 3 million Uyghur, according to the Department of Defense. They're an ethnic minority, Turkic minority. Many are Christians. They were an ancient Nestorian Christian community up until about the 15th century. Wow. Now, they're they're overwhelmingly Muslim today. But there are 3 million Uyghur in concentration camps. They are forced into labor. They perform forced labor for American companies like Nike Coca-Cola, Apple, Costco. Um, This has been well documented by the Wall Street Journal and many other publications. Uh, BBC has been been great on this. Al Jazeera has also been great on this. Most people don't want to offend China. That's why if if you've never heard of the Uyghur and you hear that there's 3 million people in concentration camps, their organs are being harvested, their women, of course, as we know, uh, it's standard operating procedure in China, are forced to have abortions. They're also forced into marriages with Han Chinese. So it's, it is classic ethnic cleansing and genocide. It's the greatest genocide of the 21st century. But because China wields influence in media, in um, uh, politics, they're not talked about. Turkey has turned its back on their ethnic, um, you know, they're ethnically related. Saudi Arabia, sort of the center of the Muslim world, supposedly, 
has been has signed a deal with China to be silent on the Uyghur. And our Pope has only once gently mentioned the Uyghur. And in fact, in his Christmas Mass, where he prayed for every ethnic group in the world, the Uyghur were strangely left out. And this is, is what has happened. Yeah, hold that and, thought. Jason Jones, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. We're going to come right back from this short break. Continue our conversation on the other side of this break with Jason Jones about lockdown, stimulus, rallies, and the pro-life cause. And I want to pick up on what you just said there, Jason, on the other side of this break about His Holiness in Argentina. We'll be right back. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hey Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. We're having a conversation with Jason Jones. He is the president of Movie to Movement, as well as the Vulnerable People Project and the Human Rights Education Organization Hero. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about the Uyghurs and, uh, and the fact that Pope Francis has been practically uh, silent on that, the atrocities that are happening to these Uyghur people in China. We've talked about it on a number of occasions with Steve Mosier and other people. But uh, Jason, I want to pick up and touch on uh, Pope Francis there for a moment on, on now. Uh, Argentina just passed abortion, and uh, we were talking about this in the last hour. To see these massive crowds of people celebrating in the streets, painting themselves in confetti and and all of this uh, celebration for the right to uh, to take a child's life seems utterly atrocious. And the thought struck me, you know, Pope Francis is from Argentina. He's never even been back there since he's uh, come to Rome. And I, has he made a statement? I, if he has, I haven't heard it. What right. say you, Jason Jones? No, the fa the first thing I did is I went and looked to see what Pope Francis had to say on Twitter, which was nothing. But this is a problem 
with the Catholic lady. It's a problem with Catholic education. It's been in the, it's been a problem, unfortunately, with our bishops. And it's something that the French anthropologist called victimism. And victimism is feigning, con, feigning concern for the vulnerable, for power and wealth and prestige. And how you do that is you talk about, quote unquote, groups that are victims that are actually powerful. And you abandon the truly vulnerable to violence. And Gerard said, actually, the catacomb will happen when the last Christian apostatizes to victimism. What it is to be a Christian in the public, your public life, it's to stand with those who are abandoned. When I was an atheist and read the gospel, what was striking to me, especially when you use your imagination, our Lord, the second person of the Trinity incarnate, associated with the prostitutes, with the very... The, the, the tax collector, the abandoned, um, the vulnerable, the woman at the well, the ethnic minority. So who, who should we stand with? We should stand with the Uyghur. We should stand with the child in the womb. You know, our Holy Father, he had the NBA there to talk about BLM. If Facebook, Twitter, Google, the NBA, all the major corporations are front-shelfing an issue, I do not need to talk about it. I do not need to talk about it. I tell my friends, like my Uyghur friends, I can't wait for the day I don't answer your phone call. You know, because you don't need my organization. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not here as a tribal partisan or, no, we, we, are, we as Catholics are to stand with the vulnerable, the abandoned, the forgotten. The child in the womb and the Uyghur are the most abandoned in the world. To imagine that today there are 3 million people in concentration camps. And I know that many people, when they first hear this, do not believe it. Like many Germans did not believe the rumors about the death camps. Well, what makes this really important to us as Americans is we, I am looking at my MacBook Pro as I talk to you. And I'm looking at my iPhone. Those were made in China. And Apple uses suppliers that now it has been proven use Uyghur forced labor, which is what is forced labor. It's slavery. They use Uyghur slaves who are ripped from their country, transported all over China, forced to work in horrible conditions. And I benefit from that. I benefit from that when I go to Costco. I benefit from that when I walk into a footlocker. All of us do. And it's sorrowful. So there is the, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, which I believe you've talked about before. That is, it's on the Hill right now. It's, it's past the House. Uh, you know, we need, that needs to become law. Nike and Costco and Coca-Cola and Apple have spent millions of dollars lobbying Congress to uh, kill the bill. Can you imagine? We as consumers need to know we shouldn't have to, you know, verify to see if our products are being made by slaves. We should count on our corporations uh, to be our partners and making sure we're not exploiting slave labor. But instead, they're trying to kill the bill. So I think the first thing we can do as Catholics, this audience is very important when it comes to this. I think this can be the year those camps are closed. Can you imagine 
as lay Catholics, if we led the way to getting the camps closed in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. Amen. And we can do that. Bishop Barron has been silent, celebrity bishop, a bishop who used Catholic donor money, used the gospel, used our faith to build some celebrity notoriety that goes beyond being a priest or a bishop. Just like, Joe, you and your crew, you you and this in Guadalupe Radio, your supporters, they write checks to you because they want the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of life. And your name, and my name is a filmmaker that's, my films are funded by people who share our values, then we need to leverage bishops. The influence our voice has because we built it up by the gospel, by being associated with the church. We need to leverage every drop of our influence, our Twitter account. I would love to see Bishop Barron tweet in support of the Uyghur. Pope Francis tweet in support of the Uyghur. We need to leverage everything we have for these people and for the child in the womb. It is is startling the silence in Argentina. We have three minutes left with Jason Jones. We've talked about this a number of occasions in past episodes. Cardinal Zen made it to Rome and uh, was trying to get an audience with His Holiness Pope Francis, begging for help for the persecution in in China, as well as for the Uyghurs, and he couldn't get an audience. The NBA got an audience. Um, so we, we definitely think it's upside down world. But with uh, two and a half minutes in our, left in our conversation, Jason, what do you look at for 2021? I know there's big rallies happening in, uh, in Washington, D.C. next week. Uh, how, do you, uh, how do you think 2021 will play out, especially from a pro-life perspective? Okay, I'll be really quick. So in the United States, we need to work aggressively through our states. Um, if there's a Biden presidency, I'll be in D.C. for the Stop the Steal rally next week. If there is a Biden presidency, there's a real opportunity there for us as Catholics. We must make noise every time Biden presents himself for communion. We can take this stumbling block of a Biden presidency and turn it into a stepping stone by forcing a crisis in the church. This man shall not be allowed to receive communion. It's a disgrace. Number two, food insecurity. Biden is talking about a 14-week, a year-long shutdown of our economy. If this happens... Uh, We will see a famine like the world has never seen. We must keep our economy open for us, for our freedom, for our families and our communities, but also because we feed the world. We process food and distribute food to the world. That cannot slow down. And number three, uh, we need to, as Catholics, I think we need to fight for the Uyghur Slave Labor Prevention Act. It is Why say never again every Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is coming up in a month? We say never again, never again. It's again and again and again and again, genocide after genocide. But unlike our great-grandparents who were living in the Depression and who had a daily newspaper at the best, um, you know, working-class new immigrants, all of our, you know, if I think about my family in the 30s and 40s, they didn't know what to do, and they didn't have any influence even if they did. We know. Yeah. We know. So let's fight. We are out of time. Uh, Jason Jones, uh, thank you so much for being on with us today. We're very grateful, and uh, hopefully we'll hear back from you next week after the rallies, and, and hopefully we'll have some good news for that. But uh, Jason Jones, check him out at movietomovement.com. It's a great place to go. But Jason, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for being on today. Thanks, guys. Aloha. Aloha to you, too. Praying for the people in Hawaii as well. Hopefully uh, they'll get some relief from uh, all of the lockdowns that are just clamping them. At any rate, that's going to do it for today's show. We have a a great show lined up for you tomorrow. Tim Staples in the first hour and Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours in the second hour. 
all about Mary, Mother of God. God bless you. God love you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adrian. And uh, Happy New Year to both of you. And dear listener, we'll see you on the 4th, along with Stations of the Cross in the 6 a.m. Central Time Zone, 7 Eastern. God bless you. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.